0: You're listening to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. I'm Gandalf. I'm Matt. And I'm Nathan Van Horn. The Bible is the most read book ever, but for many, it is merely fiction. Join our conversation as we connect the dots to reveal that the story of the Bible is not only true, it's better than fiction. To learn more about the show, visit us online at betterthanfictionbiblepodcast.com. Welcome back, listener, to episode 12 of the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. I'm so glad you're here joining us in 2021. And as always, I'm going to remind you to leave a like, a share, whatever that positive interaction is on the platform you're listening to. And also, if you've got some time, maybe even leave us a written review because those interactions, especially the written reviews help us, you know, through the algorithm and through all those kinds of things going on in the background, they help us reach new and bigger audiences. And a few weeks ago I mentioned that we were having trouble reaching certain audiences, specifically the 25 to 45 year old women were just, you know, we were, they were not listening to the podcast at all, which, you know, may be understandable, but Ever since we started talking about that, we have seen a noticeable rise in that demographic. So thank you, guys. And thank you to all the soccer moms who are listening right now. Oh, there's that <laughs> stereotype again. Not entirely. One of my kids plays soccer. So if Haley oh. has
1: made it this far in the podcast, <laughs> I love you, dear. But yes. you're kind of
2: a soccer mom, I guess.
1: Actually, my wife has now started to listen to the podcast, and she likes it. So that's that's a win the, that my wife is listening. It would be, From the story you told last week, Matt, you know, it would
0: be bad if... If your own family wasn't listening to the podcast, but <laughs> yeah, right now know, Adrian's saying no. He, I tell him I like it, <laughs> right, <laughs> right, yeah. Well, Matt, you're talking about me stereotyping uh, our our female audience for being soccer moms, but so that's that's an example of me being bad. Uh, so which is a great. Uh, there's, there's the segue. Segue into chapter three because we've been talking about the Bible as you know a unified narrative, but. We've talked about the hero, the antagonist, or the protagonist of the story, but what does every good story need now? Mm. A villain, the antagonist, and so, so we're, today we're going to introduce, you know, the be- or the best, or depending on how you want to judge it, the worst villain of all time.
2: Yeah, so in previous episodes, we've lamented for not covering a whole lot of ground. We might not even make it through a verse today, but I'm optimistically going to read Genesis 3.1. Uh, and by way of reminder, uh, we're reading from the ESV, and it says on Genesis 3.1, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden?
0: already up to no good
2: yeah yeah so what's going on because I, I know I've certainly had conversations um I have I have one friend who's who's not a Christian uh, he would probably regard himself as an agnostic and he says man the Bible loses me pretty early in you've got talking animals in the Garden of Eden and I automatically feel like I'm reading uh you know a fable a children's story uh you know just just you know classic uh myth it's the ancient equivalent for him of a Disney uh movie it might have a good moral but we're clearly, uh, in his estimation, not dealing with reality. So what do you, what do you say to that?
0: Well, it, d- it definitely does feel like, you know, a, nar- a Narnia move here, just straight out the gate. We got a talking serpent. And it actually, that kind of jumps out at me that, you know, we, we're kind of spoiled because we, you know, gr- all three of us have grown up with the Bible, so we know where this is going. But it does jump out at me that it's introducing this character as the serpent and, you know, I'm reading a little bit ahead and nowhere where I see here, does it ever call him Lucifer or Satan or the devil or anything like that. It's just the serpent.
2: Yeah. And and we'll get, yeah, we'll get to some of that beyond this episode. Um, uh, You know, certainly you have the build toward revelation at at the end there uh, where, you know, you have Satan, the devil, uh, the ancient serpent, all there side by side. Uh, putting all the pieces together but how much would it thwart the action you know we talk about the bible as a story how much would it thwart the developing action of the of the story the bible is telling if as soon as this creature opens its mouth uh adam or eve say run it's the devil you know (laughs) you 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 almost you you're almost depriving if we rush straight to that we we deprive the bad guy from being the bad guy and most and most stories uh, the motives of, of the antagonist are not immediately recognized
0: for what they are, right? Yeah, it's actually kind of, uh, you're talking about how, how far would this story go if Eve had just run away and go, look out, it's the devil. It reminds me of uh, a video series on YouTube where, where it's like if smart people were in horror movies where it's like, you know, the first time <laughs> oh, yeah. you see that little girl with the black hair in front of her eyes, just leave the house, <laughs> just turn around and go home. <laughs> movie is over (laughs) there's actually
2: some insurance commercials about this uh, where they're all like horror uh, movie scenarios and the people in the commercial take the dumbest possible option to save their life Yes. no let's go hide in that shed full of chainsaws (laughs) oh yeah Yeah, that one's a good one
0: (laughs) which actually i'll ask i'll ask this of you guys because i'm sure you know you're talking about okay a serpent comes up and just says to the woman hey did god really Say not to eat in any tree in the garden. That seems like really suspicious on two accounts just right out the gate. Like, first of all, Eve is not running away screaming that there's a talking snake. And second of all, he's coming out telling her to do, like, the one thing that she was told not to do. So, like, we're talking snakes just in the Garden of Eden because it seems like Eve is pretty accepting of it.
2: Well, I, and I'll, I'll say this. Uh, you know, when my, my friend asked me about that, you know, that that's an easy go-to Dismiss the Bible, talking animals, fairy tale, yada, yada. One of the things that I said to him uh, was, okay, how many other stories in the Bible can you think of with a talking animal? Uh, And the only other story that came to mind for either of us was the story of Balaam and the talking donkey. What's interesting is the story of Balaam and the talking donkey from Numbers 22. Balaam is very much surprised to your question that the donkey is talking. In other words, outside of this story, anywhere else in scripture, no one assumes the ability to converse with animals, right? Uh, And so it leaves at least two options on the table. Uh, Number one, and you do have some ancient interpreters taking this option. We were talking about um, Josephus in the biblical antiquities uh, before we started recording. We were talking about Philo or philo um, Judaeus writing about this. Uh, you know, several sources, Jubilees around that time, uh, who said that, you know, prior to the events of Genesis 3, um, all the creatures within creation spoke one language. And, and that would that would give us a neat little storyline uh, to what climaxes at the Tower of Babel story. Um, but there's a lot of things in the text that seem to suggest that there's more than a talking snake at play in this passage.
1: Another thing Gandalf, and to uh, try to uh, in our effort to make this understandable. When you read Genesis 3, verse 1, it just says, Now the serpent. Well, because we know the rest of the story, like you talked about, we immediately go, Oh, it's the devil, as Nathan has said. But here's this is a trick question. What's the devil's name? Uh, we don't really know, do we? Yeah, so Gandalf, if I were to ask you, what's the devil's name? What What would be... Your default. I would
0: would come out with Lucifer.
1: Uh, Yes. That's what many would default to. And that's from Isaiah 14, based on Jerome's translation of the Latin. (laughs) Which just means the sun of the morning. Yeah, Yeah. day star. Which the day star would have been the planet Venus that would still have been visible um, even early at sunrise. So it was... A shiny celestial object? Yes, and... A shiny celestial object that had fallen. Venus would have been below the ro- the horizon, the day star. So it's interesting how all that connects. But it's interesting also that we're never told the name of this spiritual being. We're only told a name based on what he's doing in the moment. He's a serpent who has come to deceive. Now, we also hear him as a dragon that's come to overwhelm the people of god we hear him as the satan or satan which means to accuse so he's also an accuser so why why was he not an accuser here in chapter 3 verse 1 well there was nothing to accuse he's a Mm. deceiver here so the name of the devil throughout the scripture this is one of those check off gun things is dependent upon the context of the role he is playing at each it's point. It's more functional than formal. It's, that's it. It's, you're you're yeah. right on and it. And by there.
2: the way, we will unpack this more in weeks to come. But it's so interesting for me uh, to your point uh, that he's so often introduced by his function. Uh, what's the what's the thing that God has done over and over and over again till now? God creates through speaking the mm-hmm. first introduction that we have to the bad guy the serpent figure, Satan, the devil, whatever we'll call him ultimately. But the first introduction to him, what's he doing? He's speaking, but he's not speaking to create. He's going to be speaking to corrupt. Uh, That's that's going to be so big in
1: the unfolding biblical story. What's important here too, there's another thing that I want to point out because we've talked about the protagonist, now the antagonist. So the protagonist here, all right, the protagonist of the story of the Bible, I would argue, is not God. But it's rather man, and ultimately God becoming a man. I think we oh. the more helpful thing is to think of God as like the narrator on Winnie the Pooh. He's the one that holds the book, reads the book, interacts with the book, even reads himself into the book. But he is not on the same equal level as the characters within the story.
2: Yeah, because you usually you usually don't have an omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent
1: protagonist. Correct. That's usually reserved so, for the narrator. The protagonist would be man. The antagonist here is going to be the serpent. And that's ultimately what we're going to see in verse 15, that the battle between the seed of woman and the seed of the serpent. So there's your protagonist and antagonist. And so therefore God is not to be seen here as Satan's opposite. Rather, Satan is opposite of man and God is sovereign over all of it. Because you don't want to put God as the protagonist and the serpent or Satan on the same level. That somehow yeah, the devil is not on equal footing in power, presence, or knowledge with God. That's right. I remember I remember as a kid I used to remember hearing my pastor say Um, he's now in heaven, Um, Adrian Rogers, he would say, who is God's opposite? And the temptation we have is, oh, the devil. He said, correction, God has no opposites because God (laughs) is... There is no equal opposite corresponding power. Exactly. So the serpent, it's what's interesting here is another thing that I want to put out is this, is that we i mentioned that the serpent is more no, or excuse me satan or the devil is known by function in the story it's interesting the, to me that the the animal that is used here to introduce uh the devil is a lowly animal even though it's said to be more crafty is that this spiritual being the serpent is introduced with language from the animal kingdom. The biblical authors under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is describing a being that is less than even what God has made man different. It's it, it is it's lowly. This is not an equal to God. It's not even an equal to man. It's something that's entirely different.
2: Yeah, and Matt, you keep uh, going to, uh, you know, for our listeners, uh, you keep going to spiritual being for the serpent figure. Um, I, I I would I would guess for a lot of our listeners, e- even those who you know would say, "Oh yeah, the serpent is uh, something more than just a serpent." Uh, this is the devil. This is Satan. Uh, but but my guess is most of our uh, listeners don't just start at that point. They you know we're not quite sure how to connect those dots. One point that we've made you know about this cosmic mountain garden that's in Eden is that this intersecting place between heaven and earth that alongside all the earthly aspects of creation there are also celestial heavenly aspects of creation and Eden seems to be this point of convergence uh, where spiritual beings were fellowshipping with uh, the first man and the first woman so one one reason why Eve may have no cause for alarm is uh, you know this being with whom she's talking if it's not this totally unfamiliar character or creature, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But we do have some interpretive diversity both then and now as to exactly what's going on with the serpent. Um, Some would say, uh, both ancient and modern, that the serpent represents a spiritual being speaking through a physical being. Uh, so examples of this would would be something like in the New Testament uh, Gandalf what was the example you mentioned with me
0: oh like um when the the demon legion inhabiting the pigs
2: yeah so uh, that's that's uh, the earliest occurrence of that is uh, mark chapter 5 1 through 20 Jesus uh, exercises uh sometimes called the Gadarene or Gergesine, uh or Gerasene, at uh, all three options uh demoniac and Uh, You have a spiritual being or a score of spiritual beings or a legion of spiritual beings speaking through a physical creature. Our name is legion for we are many. Uh, And so some would say, somewhat akin to that, here is a spiritual being, you know, this uh, rebellious spiritual creature who inhabits or works through a snake to corrupt God's good created order. Others would say, this is more of the Michael Heiser, Tim Mackey, uh, that this is an actual spiritual being. Uh, appearing in a serpentine or snake-like form. And uh, Matt, there's actually some pretty decent biblical evidence for that.
1: Yeah, I think it would be helpful for us to mention a couple of things, is that the reason that Dr. Mackey and Dr. Heiser, and frankly, this is my uh, interpretation. And I think it's the, at least for me, the most persuasive, but I'm open to other options is that when you see in isaiah the living creatures that are described around the throne of god and over them they're called seraphim which seraph is the hebrew word for snake and seraphim like elohim makes the word plural so snakes so or serpents type thing also in uh the book of numbers the chapter what's the chapter i've forget it off. Numbers 21, three, 21. Yeah. The 21 where, uh, the people disobey God and God sends serpents to strike them. But even though our English translation says serpents, it says God sends seraphim. Uh, now what's interesting is that the word here, serpent in Genesis chapter three is not seraph, which would be a, a singular snake. It's nakash which also means snake. So in Numbers 21, it's how the word nakash is used and how it interacts with seraphim. Uh, Nathan, why don't you help us with that?
2: Yeah, so in in Numbers 21, the people are going out, and once again, they're complaining to God about their food, uh, and they're complaining uh, against Moses about their food. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. And then verse 6 says, Then the Lord sent fiery serpents, uh, but um, uh, the word there is Nakash, among the people, and they bit many people, so that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he may take away the serpents, Nakash, from us. So Moses prayed for the Lord, uh, prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent seraph, there it uses seraph or seraph, and set it on a pole and everyone who sees it and everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent nakash uh, and set it on a pole. And if if a serpent nakash would bite anyone, if he would look upon the bronze serpent nakash, uh, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. So in this passage, to Matt's point, Nakash and Saraf are used interchangeably. Uh, both are understood to have a serpentine, serpent-like, snake-like form.
0: From, if I'm tracking here, are you suggesting that, like, I've always read that story as, like, you know, green, you know, classic green snake slithering on the ground, biting people. But are you saying that it's possible that these are, like, angels descending <laughs> from heaven? Gargoyles. Just, like, <laughs> like, biting, like, horrible monsters, like, biting people? And you
2: thought
1: that ending scene from Raiders of the Lost Ark was scary. <laughs> <laughs> because of how it's used interchangeably, Seraph or Nakash, There, it, it's not using one in a really a strategic way. It's just an interchangeable word. So I think here, for both this story, Gandalf, and the story in Numbers 21, we're not trying to say... Nor is the text saying, in its raw form, the actual form of the devil is some kind of spiritual serpentine being. I just think the language is used to describe the spiritual beings. What the devil is, what he looks like, I mean, that's never fully ironed out anywhere in the Bible. Is this one of
0: those things where we want to put a lot of emphasis on it in modern times as modern western readers but it's just it's just not a concern of ancient peoples what well, you
2: also even have the possibility as to form you also have the possibility of the ability to shift appearance uh, so i love this uh verse in second corinthians i believe it's 2 second corinthians 11 uh 14 um where it says and no wonder for even satan uh so sometimes say mm-hmm. disguises himself or masquerades himself some translations say uh, and no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Uh, that word disguises in Greek comes from meta-schematizo. Uh, you, you can hear the root in there. It's the word from which we get schematic. Uh, this is a transformational word. You know, we think of metamorphosis. Uh, it's He can change his schematic of his appearance. He can dis- uh, So if he could disguise himself as an angel of light, what is to prevent... Uh, you know, uh, a spiritual being uh, from taking a serpentine, whether for default or for an exceptional case, taking the form of a serpent or or
1: looking like some other created created being. You know, also just thinking about other mythologies and fantasies that we've talked about in previous um, podcast episodes. It's amazing in both the ancient and the modern world how often the evil character is portrayed as a shapeshifter. Mm, that, absolutely. Well, I, I
0: mean, I I know that I, just from school, I know that Zeus got up to all kinds of misdeeds while being disguised as animals.
2: Well, and and I and I do I do think that's interesting because um, in creation in Genesis one, you see that God is keenly aware and looking at you know giving a visible assessment to His creation, and God saw that it was good. So God creates through speaking and then God sees that it is good. Here is a being who is about to corrupt creation through speaking and possibly does so by contorting or distorting his appearance.
0: Or um another example of like evil being synonymous with, you know, contorting appearance. I'm thinking of like you know, uh early American settler times where they said that witches would turn themselves into cats and things like that. It's just it's like it seems synonymous like okay you can turn into animals and stuff that means you're bad.
1: Yeah, and then also just the fact that it is not any animal but it's a snake and just cross cultural uh when you say snake it's almost always talking bad especially in western culture.
0: Okay, so that so that brings me a, a question to my mind is are are they drawing on the imagery of a snake as being bad or do we understand snakes to be bad because
1: of this imagery ah
0: chicken and egg yeah yeah yeah
1: that's a great question
0: and if you don't know that's all right i'm gonna let i'm gonna let matt field that one (laughs) (laughs) but
2: and but i would say to this point you know uh uh snakes serpentine like creatures are not exclusively bad in the biblical story and again again the bronze serpent is a good passage to illustrate that right Right. Uh, The the same the same physical form that represents their condemnation also represents their healing. In fact, that's one of the reasons why our medical symbol is what the serpent wrapped around the staff. Uh, This is, you know, we we don't look at our doctors and say evil people trying to harm me. We say, thank God we have these healers in our society who are trying to help me. Um, Right. And so.
1: And then also the the staff of. Uh, Oh, what's the Greek?
0: Asclepius. I never know how to pronounce that.
1: And also the staff of Asclepius.
0: Or, and also, I mean, Moses turns his staff into a snake, or or rather God turns Moses' staff into a snake.
1: Now, what's interesting there is the word is not nakash or seraph, but tannin or Tanin. Tanin. So it's, what's interesting is that there are interchangeable words here that are used, and I don't think it's any surprise that we don't know the devil's name. Also, we don't really know what the devil is like. So when we, when we read here, Genesis 3, that one of these takeaways we need to pick up immediately is that we don't know the devil's name. We know from later revelation that the devil, Satan, is tied in with the serpent. But the serpent is not the point of this story. The point of this story is what God is doing through man. That's the point of this story, but the serpent is there. Now the reason it's important that we understand the serpent to be more than just an animal is because we need to remember that this particular serpent has knowledge and that, cause it says he's more crafty and that word there crafty is used frequently uh, in the Proverbs. To describe someone who's clever or cunning or someone who possesses knowledge, possesses Someone, someone who has the conversational upper hand. Right. So this serpent is more than just a snake. So the animals were there to serve Adam. But this character is... It has something that the other animals do not, so I think that is why. And we'll talk about a next podcast episode of the specific thing. This knowledge, uh, it, it just comes as no surprise to me that the serpent who has knowledge is going to tempt Adam and Eve with knowledge. So uh, that's a, a, a detail that'll that'll really make sense for next episode
0: you know i like the use of the word crafty there it makes it reminds me it conjures imagery in my head of like um the marvel depiction of loki like so from now on oh, whenever yeah. i think of the serpent i know it says it's a serpent i'm going to think of tom hiddleston
1: and by the way loki is a shapeshifter
2: oh uh, you're right yeah and i and i was going to say it's it is it is interesting across so many uh cultures that there's often a you know, a crafty Loki like character, a trickster deceiver. And that, you know, this character uh, is often one of the most devastating characters because his power uh, and his evil is not readily self-evident. He he leads you astray with a conversation um and instead of some more overt
0: form of power. Well, yeah, I mean, he, he's it's actually reminds me because he's going in here saying, oh, did God actually tell you you shall not eat of the tree in the garden? It reminds me of how when I, me and my brother growing up, I have a younger brother. I would, you know, I would get him to do the bad things for me. And that's, (laughs) I I would lead with that line. Like, did mom, did mom say that? Uh, I don't think she did.
1: As an older sibling, I can unfortunately relate. (laughs) Well, we've talked about,
0: you know, horrible snake monsters, biting people. We've talked about shapeshifters, evil people. We've talked about all this stuff. And you think, okay, that's pretty bad but listen let me assure you it's getting so much worse <laughs> in, the, in the coming yes. ones yes it's, it's, it's so, like
2: it's, it's it's like a lemony snicket book my kids reading through those right now oh, uh, and yes. just when you think they're going to catch a break oh things take
0: a terrible awful turn um, yes. the world is a scary place to be as yeah, but, uh, says.
2: Sp- speaking to my kids though one one question you often field is you know if god created this good 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 good, good very good creation and he put as the pinnacle of it, mankind in his own image in this garden, where does evil come from? Uh, and perhaps the answer is it doesn't come from anywhere. It, it was already there in the form of a spiritual being who like mankind uh, rebelled against its creator. Uh, that that uh, sometimes we make the Bible story too small. Uh, rarely do we make it too big, I think.
1: Yeah, and just to tie it in with our previous episode is that evil is the necessary byproduct of pursuing good without God.
0: Yeah, and that's exactly where we'll head next week. Yeah, right. You can't turn on a flashlight without casting a shadow.
1: Right. right.
0: All right. Well, thank you guys for being here. And uh, thank you, listener, for listening through this episode of Villainy and Cunningness. And uh, tune in next week and we'll see how much worse it can actually get.
1: It's a good word. Shalom. See you next time. Bye. Shalom.